Good evening. How's everybody doing tonight? Awesome. I suppose we need to wait for the uh, mic to come on. Uh, we have a few announcements. We're going to go over these announcements first. Uh, we have John Ramirez coming up. That is in February. Uh, I'm excited to hear this. Uh, I've been listening to some of his uh, YouTube videos that he has. It's uh, very powerful. You guys ought to check it out. And uh, make sure you sign up. I don't know if we're still doing sign-ups, but uh, plan to be here. It's going to be awesome. Uh, we also have uh, new bulletins. If you haven't got a new bulletin yet, uh, find one of these. Pick it up. Check it out. It's got some important uh, need-to-know stuff. All right. <clears throat> we also have uh, our new uh, classes starting up for Train Bible College. We have uh, the Synoptic Gospels. We have Supportive Ministries, Romans, and Demonology. Uh, if you guys are interested in any of those, uh, get in, talk with, in contact with uh, Bob Hazy or Jesse Lindley, and we'll point you in the right direction. Okay, we also have some uh, night school coming up. January 9th. There we go. <laughs> There I am. Okay, so uh, January 9th, Disclosure uh, at 6 p.m., the unveiling of current events, and it uh, with teaching similar to the truth revolution and Babel and reigning in the system of the beast. Okay, and then we have a reset in uh, January 16th. That is at 6 p.m. Sunday night, and it is... Uh, Sunday night school healing for the body and for the soul learn how to uh, reset your life and begin living in freedom and how you can minister healing and deliverance to others January 30th is flow in understanding in the ministry and the motives and the moves of the Holy Spirit now all of these classes these night classes are going to be in the new building at the area 51 and they're going to start Sunday night at 6 o'clock 6 p.m., not 6 in the morning, 6 p.m. Okay, and then if uh, y'all haven't noticed, the, the uh, gun is still back there, so we can still get raffle tickets. So if you haven't got a raffle ticket and you're interested in uh, trying to win that thing, go pick up a raffle ticket. All right, and then we also have uh, our, uh, our dinner. Our, it's going to be uh, permissions. It's January 22nd. It's at 6 p.m., and that one is also at the new building, at Area 51. And the dinner, we're going to talk about um, who we support, the missions, uh, who, who we share, share with and where and how we support them, and uh, uh, just give a little bit of a testimonial uh, about some of the missions that uh, we've been on. Um, I think I covered all of them except for the books. So... We have uh, Pastor Greg's books here. Yes, Train to Rain. These are very powerful books. If you have not checked it out, if you heard us talk about it, uh, go look at it. Go let it. If you haven't and you're not sure about it, ask someone if they've read it. I guarantee you they're going to give you a good recommendation. These are great books. There's Train and there's Secret World. Both of these books are very good, very powerful. All right, now it's time for offerings. That's right. It's exciting time. 
and I was asking the Lord about what to share about that and uh, he just simply told me sometimes you have to unlock your own financial future through giving whenever you give from your heart you start to unlock things in your life that are tied to you spiritually that you didn't even know you had in the Bible it says some receive 60, 30 and so on percent of how much they give they receive back that is directly tied to if you give according to what God tells you to give from your heart of what you receive back so I encourage you tonight give from your heart give your offering give your tithes and trust God it's not man that's receiving this offering this is going and being sowed into God's kingdom God supplies he will replenish he always does he is faithful all right so I just want to encourage you to uh, give uh, we have uh, the text to give there's instructions on the seat back you got an envelope you can uh, drop in the bucket in the back and there is a you can uh, look up uh, uh, lake-church.com and you can follow the giving uh, procedure on there and uh, I think we'll move forward from there so uh, we'll bless the offering I thank you Father for this uh, time that we have to give I thank you that you have already blessed the, the gift and you will begin to open up the doors of opportunity through faithfulness and through a heart of giving in your name Jesus Amen Good evening, Lake Church. Hallelujah. Everybody glad to be here? Amen. Well, this is the last Wednesday night service of 2021. Amen. And uh, through various circumstances, the Lord opened the opportunity for me to be able to share tonight. Kevin just did a wonderful job on his teaching on the arrival. Amen putting a slant on the advent the advent of the Lord Jesus Christ and and understanding that but uh, this dropped down in my spirit when I you know found out that uh, there may be opportunity this Wednesday uh, to share and it is vitally important to your life going into 2022 how many want 2022 to be the best year that you've had in a long time amen well you know, it, it requires some effort on your part, amen? And it isn't just going to happen because God desires it to happen because he certainly does desire every year for you to have prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers, amen? But many times we found ourselves in the midst of a battle. And uh, I'm talking about personal battles within our lives. Uh, I'm just going to share a little bit of a story and then we're going to get into the... Uh, uh, the situation um, where we talk about Jericho falling in our lives. Jericho is the anatomy of a stronghold and uh, understanding the stronghold. There are uh, things in the Bible, uh, examples in the Old Testament that show us how to deal with things spiritually today. What is done physically in the Old Testament can be applied spiritually to our lives. And so we're going to be talking about Jericho. Jericho is going to fall in your life. 
and you're going to operate in a greater measure of the anointing and of the love and power of God than ever before. Amen? Do you believe that? Well, you know, back when I was eight years old, I went through what a lot of my friends went through in the 70s, and it was called divorce. And uh, divorce was rampant in the early 70s. Um, it was something that was just very constant. I went to school, uh, and it just seemed like all my friends, their parents' relationship were in trouble. And it was the repercussions from the 1960s sexual revolution. The sexual revolution caused dissatisfaction between husbands and wives, and they began to explore different kinds of relationships. Well, anytime we open ourselves at Pandora's box, then we're going to experience the pain of divorce, and it was very, very painful. Many people did not find meaning, meaningful relationships after the relationship that they left, and they left because of lust. They left because they wanted the grass was always greener on the other side. You know, that's just simply where the septic tank is. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, it just the lateral lines, you know? I mean, you know, but... They, you know, you have a culture that is satiated, you know, with the thirst of lust. And they want sexual relations. The sexual, you know, actually the guy, uh, Kinsey, who began to start this sexual revolution was a disciple of Aleister Crowley. Big news. Okay? So, so these are psychological operations that entered into our country and began to cause divisions. And I went through divorce as a child at eight years old. My sister is five years younger than I am, so she was three, and she didn't really remember it at all. But at eight years old, very impressionable time in my life, I faced the loss of my father. Now, my father left, and because of certain circumstances that I didn't quite understand at eight, and didn't really understand until I was much older, I began to think that the reason why my parents busted up was because of me. How many have went through that? You think, it's you. Well, maybe I wasn't good enough. So I constantly carried around rejection. I wore rejection on every fiber of my being. Because when you have a person, and I don't, I listen, my, my dad and I are fine. We're fine, okay? And, and the Lord has healed that wound. And I'm not bringing this up to bring him pain or to bring me pain. I'm trying to bring understanding as to what I'm trying to convey to you. You see, everybody has a different Jericho. And my main Jericho was rejection. And this rejection caused me to not have good relationships with men. This relationship caused me to be comparative and competitive in my life. This rejection caused me to try to prove people that they were wrong about me, even though they didn't have the thoughts that I thought they had about me. Come on now. I constantly felt I had to prove something. And whether it was a spiritual mental relationship or whether it was a physical relationship, it was hard. It was difficult for me. Um, and I couldn't quite break it. I didn't know where it was coming from. 
because you know at eight years old my mom married my dad who I call my dad which the world would refer to as a stepdad which I, I just feel gross saying that about John Hurd because he's my dad and he stepped in he raised me he took care of me gave me his last name adopted me and I couldn't ask for better couldn't ask for better the Lord redeemed it amen however when I got saved you know I began to put this behind me I began to pursue Christ and it really wasn't an issue to me although it was operating in my life without me knowing it under the radar that rejection was you know I just never could connect I was always uh, fearful of relationships and where they would head um, I always had this disclaimer at the start of every relationship that this thing will not last very long <laughs> come on now some of you know exactly what I'm talking about I mean it's like you never really got excited about new when you found yourself getting excited you'd sabotage it how many know what I'm talking about you just sabotage it you just you know I'm going to reject you before you reject me I'm going to make you leave me because that's what you're going to do anyway okay and there's a lot of people that went through a divorce that still have that and they take that into new relationships and their relationships are never like they were when they were initially with the first person they were with listen Jesus can heal you of all that whoever you're married to at this time Jesus can make it better come on now do we believe it or not but you know sometimes we bring our strongholds into our relationships and it affects us and it affected me greatly and I didn't know how it affected me until I was about 29 now that's not yesterday but I was 29 years old and uh, my aunt from my father contacted me because I had aging grandparents that had never seen me and seen me in 20 some odd years or almost 30 years so initially I'm excited you know I get to see my dad I get to see people that I hadn't seen since I was a kid and and you know that that uh, honeymoon phase gets in there you know and then you meet them and everything's good but then you have to tell your mom because I'm a mama's boy right? so you got to tell mom that dad's family's contacted you and even though he never sent you a $5 bill and a birthday card the whole entire time and never paid child support. And I'm not saying this stuff to, you know, uh, pick at the wound because the wound's gone. All I'm telling you is I'm trying to get some resonance with you. I'm trying to get you to see you. I don't want you to focus on me. I want you to start looking for the Jericho in your life. And I'm telling you, the minute I told my mom, it broke her absolute heart. It's one of the worst days of my life. 
And so I went through an entire six-month to two-year period of playing ping-pong and being secretive about meeting with each side of the family at 30 years of age. And I'm telling you, it wrecked me. And all of the rejection that I felt came right back. I thought I'd dealt with it. I remember talking to my wife when they first approached me, and I said, you know what? I'm a brand new creation in Christ Jesus. You know, say that arrogantly. You know, I'm a brand new. It ain't going to be nothing. It's going to be like water off a duck's back. No, I got soaked. <laughs> I nearly drowned in that water <laughs> because I wasn't ready for it because I hadn't dealt with the major stronghold that was driving my life, which was the sense of rejection, which was motivated by fear, fear of loss, even fear of success, fear of change all stemmed from this root of rejection that was in my life. It was my Jericho. Okay? So let's turn in our Bible to Ephesians chapter 4 and uh, verse number 25. We're going to start there. And uh, we're going to get rid of Jericho tonight. Before you go into 2022, Jericho's going to fall. Because Jericho is important. There's a reason why God picked Jericho as the first city. Jericho unlocked the whole promised land. Jericho was basically the skeleton key, so to speak, to opening up the rest of the promised land for the children of Israel. There's a reason why Jericho was picked first. Why didn't he start with other cities, smaller cities? No, Jericho was a formidable, ancient city. And it was the catalyst that energized the entire promised land for the enemy. It was an epicenter of occult practices and some of the things that we've talked about that caused all of the giants that they saw and all of the Nephilim that they saw to be in that one spot. There's a reason for it. How they built ancient cities in those days is the same way the enemy chooses to build in you. What they did physically, Satan desires to do spiritually in your life. See, you have to understand that the promised land was promised to Abraham. But we know that the families went down to Egypt during the time of famine and began to dwell there during that time. And there was a Pharaoh that rose up that knew not Joseph, saw them as a threat and put them under bondage as slaves. See, that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants you to be enslaved to the Pharaohs of this world. And while you're in that enslavement, 
to that addiction, to that <clears throat> mode of thinking, to that plan of the enemy. He begins to infiltrate your promised land with squatters. What God originally designed for you is now being overtaken with giants. So we can see that what he busies us in our flesh is meant to fortify his holdings in our soul. Do you understand that? Because, see, it was promised to Abraham, and when Abraham walked the promised land, and he did, he never stayed in a static position, but he moved around in it. It did not have the inhabitants that the children of Israel found when they came to the borders of the Jordan. There weren't any giants, and there weren't any Nephilim. But I'm here to tell you this, my friend, that any time God tells you something about your life, the enemy will try to squat on that piece of property. Isn't it amazing how you can get a desire to do something or to have something or to initiate something that you've looked at for years with absolutely no opposition whatsoever, but the minute you make a decision, the minute you take a stand, the minute you say, this is it, I'm not taking it anymore, all of a sudden the opposition shows up and the squatters begin to show up. Hello? Am I speaking to anybody here? Amen? I tell you what, 2020 and 2021 have been filled with squatters. There's been squatters all in our soul, keeping us from doing what God has called us to do, keeping us from doing the things that we know in our heart are God-ordained things. Amen? Notice what he says here. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. He says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Now, I'd like to focus on that last phrase. Give no opportunity to the devil. Actually, I like the King James, and it says, give no opportunity place to the devil so that means this that I have a piece of property that God has given me and that it is not up to God to keep the devil from squatting on my land it's my responsibility It doesn't say and pray that God doesn't give place to the devil in your life. It says you give no place. The word place is very important to understand. It's where we get the word topography. Okay? Topography is a map term. term. It means the, the scope and the map of your life. You see, there is a realm that you are supposed to inhabit. There is a place of real estate that you are supposed to operate in. And that it is up to you to stand in your God-given authority with the inspiration of the Word of God and the empowerment of the Spirit 
to be able to stand in that piece of property and allow and not allow any squatters, any giants, any enemies to come in and pitch their tent and try to make a dwelling in that piece of property. Many times we give place to the devil. He talks about several areas there. He talks about anger. Did you know squatters are going to come in with anger? He talks about lying. When people are deceptive, it opens the door. Amen? So we're not to give any place, any square inch of what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. We're not to allow any imposters, any squatters, anything that would try to come in and take up territory. We're to give the devil no place. Okay? All right. Now let's look over at Matthew chapter 12. I just sense deliverance in the house. In Matthew chapter 12, Jesus is contending with the Pharisees. And the Pharisees are seeing him cast out demons. And they're saying this. He casts out demons by the prince of demons, Beelzebul. And Jesus knows what they're saying. Okay, Jesus knows what they're saying. And he, he, he answers them back in verse 25. He says, knowing their thoughts, he says to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and no city or house divided against itself will stand. That's true in the kingdom of darkness, and that's true in the kingdom of light. When we bring division into churches, division into things of God, it causes destruction. Just because God's in it, and God's, you know, the, the person that we're, you know, worshiping and stuff, doesn't necessarily mean that we're exempt from divisive conduct and things that cause destruction. Okay? In fact, infiltration in churches is, you know, uh, almost at epidemic proportions these days. People getting into leadership, trying to drive churches down, trying to keep people away from churches, trying to use PR to keep people away and things of that nature, trying to spread lies and rumors and innuendo, things of that nature. It's just going to get worse, guys. But you know what? The church can't stand, but neither can the kingdom of darkness stand. So it's a principle that works in both realms, okay? And he says, And if Satan casts out Satan, he's divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? And if I cast out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do you, your sons, cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can someone enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first what bind the strong man okay so when we use the word stronghold 
we can interchange it with strong man. Okay? Because when it comes to these buildings in our lives, which I'm basically teaching is secret world all over again, when it comes to the buildings of, this, of our lives, they house entities. That's where your attitudes come from. Have you ever been in a service and the preacher's preaching and it, it hits a nerve with you? And on the inside you hear this, I don't like this. You have just encountered your stronghold. You've just knocked on the door of your neighbor in your soul. That is not a good neighbor. He doesn't want to be evicted. He doesn't want to have to move. So he's going to rise up in you and cause some kind of riot on the inside of you and try to tell you that what you're hearing is not true. And how dare they judge you? I remember I got in a kind of a heated argument with someone that I love very much in the church. And they accused me of knowing what they did the week before. This happens to preachers all the time. Because you minister under the anointing by the Holy Spirit. This isn't just a message that I just write up. You know, write up and, you know, hope you like it. Uh, it's divinely inspired unction by the Spirit of God. Now, some of it's great when it's all God, and some of it isn't great when it's me. You know what I'm saying? So, you, you, you know, I'm human, all right? But many times, ministers will speak under the unction of God, and they'll speak to a situation that has, they don't, don't have a clue about what they're saying, key words that are unlocking certain things in your life because the whole goal of preaching is to bring light. Light and life. Now, in order to bring light and life means that you have to be put in an uncomfortable position. That's, that's, that's just all there is to it. Because light isn't always comforting. Light can be very, very intrusive. And light can be very painful. Hello. Because when we see ourselves, especially Holy Spirit light, you know, you can make a case for physical light if you've ever looked in one of those makeup mirrors. Where are these craters in my face? I look like the moon. <laughs> you know, I mean, because you're really getting a, a good spread of a, a luminous revelations. <laughs> your teeth are yellow. You know, I mean, you got hair in your ear. You know, you're getting all kinds of things. And it can be very, very hurtful. Well, the same is true when things are spiritually illuminated in your life. Because it isn't always, praise Jesus, I've got the victory. It's, oh my gosh, I am a moron. 
I can't believe I do that. Lord, help me. How can you ever save me? Have you ever been there? Lord, how can you even save my sorry tail? How can you even stand me? Because truth will hurt you before it heals you. Okay? And that's okay. Don't think that your averse reaction to truth is something that says that you're deficient or it's normal. God says, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So that, what does that mean? That I'm in no way in, con, in contention with his thoughts. I, I'm, I'm not even on the same level. So that means who's going to do the adjusting? Most people want God to adjust. They want to make excuses for their life and say, well, I'm a victim. I'm, I had this happen and that happen. They want God to come down to their level. Sorry, it's not going to happen. God has compassion and love for you, but he expects you to grow. And what was once tolerated in your life as a young Christian won't be tolerated as you grow. No more than you would tolerate your 16-year-old acting like a six-month-old. You wouldn't tolerate that at all. Well, God, why do we expect God to do that? Amen. My father in the faith used to say this. He says, I don't mind giving babies a bottle. I just don't want to have to move the beard out of the way. <laughs> Remember that? <laughs> and that's the truth. You know. I mean, there's just people that are just on milk, and that's all they want. You put a little rice in that milk, they start griping. <clears throat> We're called to grow. Why? Because we've been in Egypt. We've been a slave to sin. We've been a follower of the prince of the power of the air. We've been a follower of the times and seasons in which we live. We've been a slave to Pharaoh. Pharaoh is a type of Satan. Egypt's a type of the world. Our flesh was in there. We were slaves to sin. God called us out. But while he called us out, and now he's bringing us into a land that flows with milk and honey. But while we were in bondage, guess what? The enemy knew we were going to get free because he knows he can't stop God. So we get out, but guess what? We go into the realm of the soul, where, which is really the true sanctification process. And we realize that there are giants squatting on our property. And that it's not going to be as easy as we thought it was. I've said this over and over again. People love to get out of things. They don't like going into things. There's a lot of people that have just got this romanticism of getting out of Egypt. But they don't want to go into the promised land because it's just too much work. Even some of the tribes of Israel that were delivered didn't even go in. They went in and battled, but they chose to stay outside the promised land and, and grow their crops and their families there. 
there are many people that will do that in their life. And they wonder why they never make it. Listen, I'm sick and tired of dealing with the same problem every year. I'm sick and tired of going around the same mountain I've went around for 40 years. I'm tired of getting relief from the little demons but not getting rid of the stronghold that attracts them. I get a little relief. I go for three months where I'm doing real good, but then something comes in and I get triggered all over again. And then infestation comes into my life because I hadn't dealt with Jericho. I haven't dealt with the rejection in my life. Well, the reason why I can't be intimate with people and intimate with my wife in a way that is meaningful is because I'm fearful of rejection. I'm fearful of being hurt. I'm fearful. So I'm restricted. I'm in bondage. I can't live life the way I was created to live life because I've got a stronghold in me that tells me what I can do and what I can't do. And every time I get over that line, Rocky, I hear it. You're in it too far. You're in it too far. You need to get back. You need to get back. You're going to get hurt. You're going to get hurt. You better get back. Get back to your safe place. Get back to where you are. You know that at least you know that that's a safe place. Come on, anybody? Am I reading anybody's mail? It's the truth. There's people that are limited and handicapped in their relationships because of these Jerichos. They never go past a certain point. They can't. They say that the generations, you know, we talk a lot about millennials. And, uh, you know, we talk a lot about, you know, the boomers and the millennials. And, you know, I'm a, a Gen Xer, okay? And Gen Xers tend to be more committed than their boomer parents. But yet, the millennial generation is having a hard time with commitments. Not that they're deficient. See, we need to stop thinking that paradigm. Oh, they're just deficient. They're just, you know, they haven't been, weren't raised like... There is some truth to the surroundings and the cultures that they were raised in. There is truth to that. But that is not necessarily the case. You think about millennials have never lived in a world before the World Trade Center. They've never lived in a world in which you got patted down at an airport. Never. They've never lived without internet. And they've never lived without cell phones and the intrusion that comes through those. So their whole wiring is absolutely different. 
So we need to stop being judgmental and critical because they're used to speed. We weren't. Wait. That's, that's, that's one of my mom and dad's favorite words. Wait. You know, we'll make that. You know. Work for. You know, I mean, there was just a different, a different thing. Now they can get anything. They can get it at the... I used to remember buy records. I would go to the record store with my $7.99, with my $7.00. And I would go through and I could only buy one. They can download anything they want. And many times they don't have to pay for it at all. It's just a different culture. Now we can sit there and say that they're spoiled or that it's just it's just what they're raised in, guys. And part of the blame is us. Amen. Because Every generation builds on the foundation of the one before it. Now, there's variations, but the lack of commitment that people have seen over the generations has caused people to not commit to relationships like they're called to. They're not living at high risk, high levels of submission with one another because they don't know how. It hadn't been modeled. They don't see it. They don't see it in their parents. They don't see it in their grandparents. So guess what? See, kids don't do what you say. They do what you do. And see, some of these strongholds are cultural strongholds. Because of the stimuli that is consistently brought in to our soul, we begin to build things. And we begin to put importance on certain things and unimportance on others. We begin to highly esteem certain things and lowly esteem others. Okay? So I had a problem, you know, with male relationships it's not my dad's fault my mom was as much a part of the issue than he was how many realize it's still true it takes two to tango okay it takes two to tango so you know but you know what I'm a mama's boy so mama's right <laughs> mama's right on everything you know, I felt like Bobby Boucher, you know. I mean, it wasn't only until I got older that Mama did some stuff. <laughs> Mama did some stuff that I didn't know Mama did that stuff, and it was hard for me to take when I heard that Mama did that stuff because Mama never did that stuff to me. You know. And, you know, my mama, she, you know, she found another man and wanted to be with another man, okay? That happened a lot in those days. It happens a lot today. What am I going to do? Be a victim? What am I going to do? Just blame her for my problems? A lot of people do. 
lot of people do. A lot of people let Jericho rule. I could be all upset about it, but you know what? I chose to become a new creation. I chose to pursue that path. But what happened when I was confronted with it again? Well, I got rid of all the farmers, but I didn't get rid of the stronghold. See, my mind renewal, your mind renewal will deal with majority of the spirits that are trying to infiltrate your life. Did you know that? Mind renewal alone will keep the influence of the enemy off of you. But there are times in which things are built within you that can't be renewed out. They have to be expelled out. And they can only be done by the supernatural power of Almighty God. Are you awake out there? Now, when we talk about Jericho, well, first off, let's, let's look at this other verse here. Let's drop over to verse number 43 of uh, the same chapter. It says, When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places, seeking rest but finds none. Then it says, I will return to my house. Now notice that. The Bible says, Give no place to the devil. What's he talking about? He's talking about the house of the body. The house of the soul. Because if you're born again, the enemy can't get in your spirit. But he can oppress your soul, and he can be a spirit of infirmity in your body. But thank God Jesus has an answer for all that. Amen? That's the reason why, listen, if we couldn't give that place, then the Bible would not say, give it no place. And it says right here. Now, notice what it says. We're talking about strong man and stronghold because a strong man is in the stronghold. And one of the secrets of getting relief and getting deliverance from that is identification. Because once you ID it, you have put light upon that, and you can expel that out of your life in Jesus' name. But most people don't know they're struggling. I, I would have never told you I was struggling with rejection. I would have had no clue. None. Except for illumination by the Spirit of God. I would have had absolutely no clue whatsoever. And the things that you're battling with, some of you just think it's you. You just think, well, that's just who I am. No, not true. Not true. Ask the Lord to reveal to you. He'll do it. And then he'll also give you the power through the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ to get rid of it. Amen? Amen? And if you can't get rid of it, you got helpers. you got people that love you and take care of you and will help you. Amen? But notice it says, And when he comes, he finds the house empty, swept, and put in order. Then he goes and brings with it seven other spirits more evil than itself. Now notice, the strong man doesn't necessarily have to be the strongest spirit. It just needs to be the one that initiated and opened the door. 
because it brings in seven more evil spirits than it is. But it's still the strong man. So if I open the door through a spirit of rejection, like, like I did, where I felt rejected, my pain opened the door. He invited other people in, other entities in. Come on in here, unforgiveness. Come in here, anger. We're going to have a party. I found a good place, and guess what? It's empty, swept, and garnished. It's all ready for us, guys. Come on in. And that's what begins to build a stronghold in your life. Now, we're going to learn some things about Jericho real quickly here. When you look up Jericho, Jericho uh, in, in any kind of um, encyclopedia, whether it's online or whether it's, you know, various books that you would read about it, it, would, it calls it psych, cyclopean architecture. Cyclopean. This is very important to understand this. I'm not just bringing this up so I can look all smart. I'm just telling you. It says that it is cyclopean architecture. Now, what does that refer to? Well, if you go by the run-of-the-mill historian, they will tell you that the walls of Jericho were built during the third section of the Bronze Age, which is about 1687 B.C. But we know that that's not the case. We know that portions of the wall were built there, but the initial foundation of this city is far, dates far back into the antediluvian world. Now see, what happened after the flood of Noah is Ham begins to take the knowledge of that pre-flood world and he begins to bring it back into culture because he has rejected God's judgment. And he creates a whole line of people that agree with him, one of them Nimrod. And so they begin to search for real estate that was used in the antediluvian world to bring about the spiritual climate of that time. Why would they go to a plain, a valley of Shinar, to build a tower to go up to heaven. Why not build it on a mountain? They did not because it didn't matter whether it was a mountain or a valley. It was spiritual real estate. They built on top of what the antediluvian world built. And it's known as cyclopean architecture, which is the monolithic architecture that we can't explain. When you go around the world and you see the stones and how they put the stones together, we don't have anything in our culture that can do what they were able to do. This was not done by the present dispensation of human beings. This was done in a totally different dispensation. And many of the architectures and the temples that have been built were built on the ruins of these huge monolithic stones. And when you look at Cyclopean, um, 
you begin to see two things. Now notice this. This is called Cyclopean architecture. This has no mortar whatsoever in it. And you can't even put a slip of paper in between it. There was some kind of technology that enabled this antediluvian generation to be able to put a wall together with stones that some of our own construction equipment cannot even lift nor move long distances, but yet was able to piece them together where they stand for thousands of years. Okay? Then you get into these monolith monolithic stones, huge stones that cannot be duplicated with our current technology, with our current building. We're not able to build these things, just like Stonehenge. We're unable to build those. those. Those rocks are too big, but yet they were built. So what does that tell me? That Jericho is far older than what they presently said. That it's not Bronze Age, it started in the Antediluvian Age. And that they just simply built on top of it because it was spiritual real estate. Now, if you don't understand the concept of spiritual real estate, then you needn't go very far in your Bible to see that Eden was spiritual real estate and that the whole battle that we're in is over a piece of real estate. It's over the top of Mount Zion where the temple is because that was where Eden, the garden, was. Eden is a location that is hundreds of miles, but the Garden of Eden was on a mountain. Now, what did they do when they built these things? Because they were Nephilim built and giant built, they would use sacrifices to their gods to bring about the protection of whatever fortification they built. So they would kill babies and they would use their blood and they would pack their blood and their bodies in between the rocks. And they believed, now look it up for yourself, they believed that the blood of the innocent would somehow give them credibility with their gods that would protect them. So I submit to you that the, the uh, Jericho walls were packed with satanic demon power. So much so that God said, you don't take anything from it. Mm. He says, if you take something from this, you're going to be cursed. And in fact, Joshua pronounces a curse on this, on Jericho. Let me, let me put Jericho up there because we think I'm talking about Stonehenge. Okay? He, he talks about and he basically says this. He says, if anybody rebuilds this city, it's just not a normal city. Are you getting the picture? It's just not a normal city. This is a citadel that basically creates the iniquity force over the whole thing. 
the whole promised land. Because once Jericho falls and they do what is right in the eyes of God, there's nothing that stands. There's not another story in which anything stood in their way. Now, Ai, because they disobeyed the command of the Lord. But when they got that done, there was no other story in which a city gave them any trouble. Listen, once you take care of Jericho, the rest of your promised land is a cakewalk. Because there's, I mean, Jericho represents every button that's ever been pushed in your life. Represents every kind of, of a problem, of addiction, of desire, of lust, of anything that draws you out of the will of God. That's what Jericho represents. It's something that sets limitations in your life and dictates to you what you can do, what you can't do, how you're going to make it, what decisions you can make, whether you can go outside, whether you can stay inside, whether you can get in this relationship, whether you can get in that relationship. Come on now. There are things that are inside you dictating to you your life. And they're not God. So they packed it with blood. And all of the sacrifices that fortified that city in honor to their gods began to create these giant clans and Nephilim clans that began to take over the promised land. You gotta get rid of the magnet. What did he say? The unclean spirit sees that the place is empty, swept, and garnished and becomes a magnet for others. Are you with me? Well, just as they built that physically, Satan wants to build a Jericho on the inside of you. And what does he do? With the blood of disappointment, with the blood of hurt, with the blood of pain, with the blood of crisis, he packs those walls with all your hurts, with all your dashed dreams, and with all your discouragements. Because he wants to energize it. He wants to energize it to where, yeah, we can go over here and we can, we can do this over here, but you get close to that citadel, you get close to that stronghold, you're immobilized. Fear grips your heart. You can't move. It just seems financially, I just can't get past this. I can't get past this. I just can't get past this. We take another circle, another pass. We feel a little bit of freedom, a little bit of flexibility, a little bit of margin. But then another season comes into our life and we hit the same wall. And it's this wall. We hit it. 
and there's absolutely nothing I can do in the natural to break it down. Let's just say it's financial. Some people hit the wall financial. They can't get past a certain point. Just can't. They get to a certain point, and they can't go any further. They end up losing it all, and they end up building it back. But they only go, bam. They hit the wall every single time. Relational. They hit the wall every single time. They might feel the freshness and the invigoration of the relationship, and then, bam. And I'm telling you, once you hit that wall, it dazes and confuses you. Health-wise, there are people that just hit the wall. They can't seem to get past a certain point in their health. They're facing the same thing. It's as if there's a cycle that they just cannot break. Depression. Suicidal thoughts. Despair. Critical spirit. These things are just energized. They're energized in our life because they're satanically located in the territory that Jesus died, bled for, and was raised from the dead so that you could have it. They have squatted and have built an edifice right smack dab in the middle of Blessing Central. and you can't get past it. You try to save. You try to give. You try to do whatever, and it's hit the wall. You try to move. You try to get the ability to interact with people and open yourself up to new ideas of exploration relationally, and it hits the wall. You get past a certain place of revelation when it comes to your physical body, but he always hit the wall. And it's because you can't do anything physical. There is no, um, there is no diet. There is no uh, pill. There is no vitamins that can break this wall down. There's no conference you can attend. There's no book you can read. Because it's got to be dealt with spiritually. Well, how did they deal with this? How did they deal with this? fortified structure. Well, if we find out how they dealt with it, we can apply it to our spiritual life. The first thing that happened, go back and look at it, the fifth chapter 
of Joshua, the book of Joshua. I don't have time to read every scripture, so go back and look at it. The first thing that happened was they circumcised all of the young men that had gone through the 40 years of walking in the wilderness. Now, what does circumcision represent? Circumcision is a physical sign of the covenant that we have with God, and it is the cutting away of the flesh. Anytime I'm faced with an insurmountable obstacle in my life, the first thing that has to be dealt with is my flesh. Circumcision. And that's not fun. In fact, I've taught you this before, that there's a cycle that you go through in order to go to new levels of attainment in God. It's not that you're, you know, getting special treatment from God. It's just a process. You go through Gilgal first, and Gilgal always represents the cutting away. And in fact, Joshua states this in Joshua chapter 5. He says, by the cutting away of circumcision, I have rolled away. I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt. That means this, guys. That means that I can be physically out of Egypt, but still carry the reproach of Egypt. I can be physically free, but yet be mentally bound. Do you understand that? And so by the cutting away of the flesh, dealing with something, lifting the knife to something physical in my life, whether it's casting away a habit that is detrimental to my life, are simply putting my body and my flesh under through fasting. Oh, nobody wants to talk about that anymore. You mean I got to fast to break through? Well, it's a process. You need to bring your flesh under. You need to cut away what is hindering your ability to see. And the majority of influence in your life that keeps you from seeing God's will is the reproach of the world. And so they got circumcised. And you know, it wasn't a party. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't something that brought a lot of joy. It was painful. And most people don't know how to pray through certain things. They don't know how to stay with it. There are five graces that are in your life. Did you know that? The one grace that we really like is unmerited favor. We like that. But there's also saving grace. There's transforming grace. There's equipping grace. And then there's one that we really haven't been proficient in. There's enduring grace. And there are times in which you just have to endure. 
There are times in which it looks like it's never going to change. There are times in which it's just pain and you just feel like you're in a big crock pot of pain. But God's faithful. God's faithful. And it's just like childbearing. Just like childbearing. You go through the pain of childbearing, but once that child is delivered in your life, you forget about it. And women will actually want to be pregnant again. Come on now. Listen, my wife tore my arm up. She tore my arm up. She had some nails, and she dug them right into me. And I said, honey, you're digging your nails into my flesh. She says, I like it. <laughs> she just dug it in even more. Okay? But guess what? She wanted to have more children. What I thought would be the most unbearable pain that she had went through, hearing her scream and travail through that process of having twin boys, she still wanted to have children. It's the same spiritually. The Gilgal experience is painful, but it brings about a greater weight of glory in your life. So much so that you won't remember the pain. What was the next thing that they did? Well, they had Passover. They had Passover in the promised land for the first time. What did they do? What does Passover represent? It represents the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm here to tell you, if you're going to break down or allow God to break down that stronghold, you're going to have to be in remembrance of the blood and the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're going to have to make that the emphasis. You're going to have to cut away what God says, cut away. If God says, you know what, you need to quit that job, you need to lift the knife to it. If he says, sell that truck, you need to lift the knife to it. If he says, get out of this relationship, you lift the knife Come on now, you do it. Painful hurts. And then you got, during that pain, you can't just sit there and wallow in your pain. You can't just sit there and cry in your beer. Shouldn't be having beer anyway, but anyway. You know, people just cry and get pitiful. No, they didn't get pitiful. They didn't have time to be pitiful. And you don't have time either. You've got to move from this place of pain, and you've got to get to Bethel. And Bethel is the place where Jacob got his name changed. And I'm here to tell you God's got a new name for you because the devil's not going to be able to call you by your old name anymore. He doesn't know your old number anymore. He's going to have to figure that out because you've got a new name. You've got a new number because you have made a decision. I'm going to focus on the broken body of my Savior and his cleansing blood that causes me to overcome. 
and I'm not going to let him condemn me and tell me about my past anymore. I'm not going to let him talk to me about my failures anymore. I'm not going to let him manipulate me with the wrongdoings that I've had and the things that I've said. I'm going to walk in the reality of the broken body of my Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, and his blood that cleanses me from all sin. If you don't get a hold of that, you're going to be in self-pity. You're going to be in condemnation. You're going to be in guilt. And the enemy's got you right in the arena that he needs you to be to be able to manipulate you and talk you out of seeing that thing fall. Now, it's amazing in the story as we go to, to Joshua 6 now that after they have Passover the manna ceases. No longer, and this is where we got to get, guys, if you want to see that thing fall, no longer are they looking for a miraculous thing from God. They now have to walk in, get this, they have to walk in the fact that every place the sole of their feet shall tread upon is theirs. Amen. They're no longer looking for handouts. God, oh, come on, guys. They're not looking for Holy Ghost handouts. They're actually, it's whatever, listen, whatever I can conquer I can take. Now, of course, it's God that gives you the ability to conquer. But he expects us to not look for manna provision that is totally or 100% God-initiated. He now wants us to walk in partnership. If you want to see that, you can't be do, you know, looking for handouts. You've got to say, you know what? Every, soul, uh, every place of the sole of my foot shall tread upon is mine. I'm going to be courageous. I'm going to walk out what God has for me. Are you getting anything out of this? Say, I've got to walk it. Business ideas aren't just going to fall from the sky. I got to go and have some trial and error. I got to I got to pray and seek the Lord. I got to walk hand in hand with Him. See, one of the greatest scriptures that I've ever read is 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 in Genesis 17, and it's where God appears to Abram, uh, Abraham at the time, and He says this. He says, "I am El Shaddai. Walk before me." And be thou perfect. Now, initially, I took that as, oh, my gosh. Be, walk before you and be perfect? Oh, I don't know if I can do that. How many have ever had that? Yeah. Did you know in the Hebrew, that's not what it says? In the Hebrew, this is what it says. I am El Shaddai. I am the God who is more than enough. 
and I am the God your vengeance, I'll attack anybody that attacks you. Because that's what El Shaddai means. He says, walk with me. And in the walking, you shall be whole. Oh, you didn't get that. See, everybody wants it instantaneous. I want change right now. He says, no, in the walking, in the walking, in the day-to-day walking, you'll be made whole. So that means, you know what? I might get a bad report from the doctor, but I just keep on walking. I might have a symptom in my body, but I just keep on walking. I might not have a good day, but I just keep walking. It may not look good for my business, but I just keep walking. Because I know in the walking, I'm going to be made whole. And it's not just walking by myself and walking hand in hand with my wife. It's walking hand in hand with my Savior, with El Shaddai. How do I know I'm making progress? Am I walking with him? Amen? And that's what we have to do. We have to be in partnership. See, there's responsibilities I have. It isn't all up to God. If it was all up to God, you'd be saved. You'd be healed, you'd be delivered, and God's hands is out to you. But we have to seize it, because without faith, it's impossible to please Him. I have to walk by faith. The just shall live by what? By faith. And that's what's going to cause Jericho to fall. Now, after this happens, guess who appears to Joshua? Jesus. Jesus, the commander of the Lord's host, the pre-Bethlehemic appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ shows up because you know why I want to know why it was Jesus? Because he said, take the shoes off of your feet for this is holy ground. You only bow when it's God. And he gave him direction. When did he get direction? He got direction after circumcision. Oh, you're not getting this. See, people want direction immediately. I want direction immediately. Tell me now. Tell me now. Just give me what to do. You're not in any position to get direction. You couldn't understand it the way you are. You have to get yourself in a position to receive the instruction. So I had to get away from the hindering forces and circumcise my ears to where I could hear the voice of the Lord. I had to make myself mindful of the covenant of the Lord and by resonating that within me, I now could resonate with what he was saying to me. Because of what I had in me, I now can recognize something that he has outside of me. 
And then he tells them, march around the city one time a day, six days. And then on the seventh day, he said he wants to go around seven times. And he says, at the end of the seventh time, you need to shout, blow the trumpets, and shout the victory. Okay? Now here's the point. Your stronghold was built by words. It was built by a frequency. It was built by harmonics. Do you understand what I'm saying? Matter is manipulated by harmonics. That's a spiritual principle. How did that stronghold get built in me of rejection? Because of the harmonics of my life that continued to put mortar to those bricks and said, you're not worth it. No one loves you. They walked out because you're defective. You don't matter. God doesn't have a plan for you. You're a reject. The, the man that brought you in doesn't even want you. How would God... That was created by harmonics, words. Well, what God wants us to do is to take the harmonics of the kingdom I don't know if you're getting a hold of this. You've got to take the word that you've got in yourself by observing the body and the blood of Jesus, fortifying that in your life, and you push it out. You push it out from your heart and in your mouth, and you shout the shout of victory, regardless of whether you feel victorious or not. The harmonics of the kingdom of God released out of your mouth by faith cause walls to fall flat. Yeah. What happened to Paul and Silas? They could have done the old hee-haw song. <laughs> Gloom, despair, and agony on me. But they chose to tap into a different harmonics. Say, people, it's your harmonics. That's the problem. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth leaketh. That's my paraphrase. Because that's exactly what happens. If you don't have it within, you're not going to be able to project it out. But I'm here to tell you, once you circumcise what is hindering your ability to see and to hear once you remind yourself of the covenant of the Lord God and the table that has been set before you in the presence of your enemies and you just drink until your heart is content and you eat until you're satisfied and full 
Then you receive direction from the Lord to be able to do the direction that he had. Give here, do this, meet this person, call this. And direction comes, and through our obedience, we change the harmonics that built the stronghold, and we take the harmonics of the kingdom of God, and it shakes it to its very core. And all the blood and all the pain and all the sweat and all the toil and all the hurt falls flat. And you're able to walk in to a place that was seemingly formidable in our lives. But let me give you a warning. Don't be Achan. Achan took from that devoted place. Here's what people do. They get delivered, but they keep the pieces they want. Well, you know, a little... A little... uh, Marijuana gummy won't be bad, you know. At least I'm not smoking. Come on, I'm serious. I'm serious. Uh, you're just you're just taking you're just taking a Babylonian garment and some some silver out of the the accursed place. No, be done with it. It's over. That's not a part of my life anymore. I'm not going to go back to it. I'm not going to talk about it. I'm not going to meditate on it. I'm not going to mess with it. It's accursed in my life. And that's the attitude that you have to walk in freedom is that this is a curse. Porn is accursed. Anger is accursed to me. This lying is accursed to me. It's anathema. I, I, I hate it. We need to hate sin like God hates it. Say, no more. I'm not going to carry the Babylonian garment. I'm not going to carry the knockoff, whatever, you know, I got in there. I'm not going to take these because the enemy's going to take those pieces and he's going to rebuild on the foundation of that burned up place. And you're going to be worse off because he's going to make sure that those rocks are a lot stronger than they were. Remember what he said when he finds it empty, swept, and garnished. He takes seven more evil spirits. What's he saying? The strong man gets stronger. But when you say, nope, I ain't going to do it. I ain't going to be doing this sneaky stuff. I'm not going to live this double life anymore. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to socially drink. I'm not going to drink because I'm around somebody. I'm stopping it all. And if it means I lose friends then that means they were in that city. They weren't a part of my life. Amen. Let's go into 2020 with the walls falling flat. Let's not let this Jericho dictate to us anymore how to live our life. Stop limiting God. That's the word for the hour right now. 
That's what God's speaking to me. That's what God's speaking to me. Stop limiting God. 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 Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. 2022, the limits are off. The limits are off. But it requires us to participate. It requires our active, responsible efforts and decisions to walk in this liberty that Christ purchased for us. We can't just wish it into existence. We must change the harmonics from a harmonics of the kingdom of darkness to the harmonics of the kingdom of light. And when we do that, we destroy the citadels of pride, the citadels of deception, the citadels of addiction and pain and suffering, the things that cause us to limit what God wants to do in our lives. Amen? Can we stand and give God some praise? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. We give you praise, Lord. And we declare that we're going to take the limits off. The Bible says in the 78th Psalm that they limited the Holy One of Israel. Well, I thank you, Father God, we're going to take the limits off in 2022, right now in Jesus' name. And we declare that we are going to walk in the full freedom that Christ purchased in Jesus' name. Everyone that agrees with that prayer, say amen. 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 Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to your name, Lord. Glory, glory, glory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. If you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus or you need prayer for anything, the ministers will be up here to minister to you and to assist you. We look forward to seeing you this Sunday. We're just going to have a powerful time. Hallelujah. We really are. If, need, if you've got unsaved loved ones, you need to bring them this Sunday. Hallelujah. People are looking for a change in their life. And we're looking at the first of the year. And people are more mindful of transformation at the first of the year. We have a service planned that I believe will be a catalyst for people to make transformation decisions in their life. And I just want to encourage you to invite those that are far from God, those that are on the fence, and those that know God but are not walking in His ways at this time. And we all know people like that. Bring them on Sunday. 9 and 11, we're going back to the two services. We had a one services last weekend. We're going back to the two it's going to be a powerful time. So I encourage you to be here in the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. You're dismissed.